This morning, I'm just going to read uh, from Psalm 32. At 32, at verse 1, it says, Blessed is, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now, again, we said, again, we said that yesterday, what we said was, when it's speaking here, remember, the Old Testament saints, their sin was covered until Christ would actually come on the cross. We mentioned Job 14, 17, he has, Job said, he sewed up my iniquity in a bag. And what that means is, is bringing out Micah 7, 18 and 19 and bringing out what the mercy seat was teaching us in Exodus 25, 17 to 22, what it was teaching us that, that the mercy seat is kaporoth and it means a covering. And so until Christ would come, until Christ would come, all those sins were, in that sense, as their faith looked forward to Christ coming in time, which he hadn't been yet there, we have what is brought out and what the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was bringing out in Romans, the third chapter. In Romans, chapter 3, so we understand these things as the church today, as we look at Romans 3, Okay, Romans 3, it says, and in verse 25, whom God set forth a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. So what, he, what it's teaching us, our sins are, are, have already been forgiven. Their sins were being covered until Christ would come on Calvary, and deal with those sins. And so when it says that here, the sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, God was forbearing till Christ would come and deal with those sins. That's why we teach the Old Testament saints, their faith looked forward to the cross. Our faith, the church, looks back to the cross. And so this is what these verses are teaching here. Verse 26 says in Romans 3, to declare, to declare, I say, at this time, when all are being met, his righteousness, that he might be just. So was God functioning in being just when he forbear and passed over looking at his son? Absolutely just. So he was just. Now remember, just has to do with justice, the fulfillment of justice has to do with God dealing with sin and failure. So that he might be just, listen, and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Interesting. Now, Psalm 32, verse 1, this is what it's teaching. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile, no deceit. When I kept silence, 
my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day. Now, we need to understand, God would have us understand the Psalms so that we understand them correctly. Psalm 32 was written before Psalm 51. That's when it was written. So finally, he confessed it. We know, we know through study, through a deep study of isagogics and so forth in the Word of God, it was a, a minimum of a year where he was still living in his unconfessed sin. He was aware of it, but he was still living in the fact, the, the evil effects of it affecting him. And that's why he said here that all day when I kept my silence, meaning... Not, re, not repenting, which he did in Psalm 51. His bones wax old through my roaring all day long, all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. Now, God's hand was heavy upon him, and he was chastening him and disciplining him because God's hand, when he deals, can, God's hand deals in only two ways, through grace or through judgment. Both have to do with justice. One has to do, grace, with justice being fulfilled. The other has to do with God exercising his right, his, his justice. And even he then is functioning in love because God can't do anything other, and he doesn't do anything other than who he is. And we know in 1 John 4, 8 and 16, God is love. So he says, for all day your hand was heavy upon me. This is the hand of chastisement. You know, David even said in Psalm 118, verses 18 and 19, God was chastening him sore. And until he got right, he was at the point where God was going to take him home early. Take him home early. Multitudes, unfortunately, and I thank God, I don't want to be one of them, are taken home early. And even that's God's mercy and justice. Even that is his mercy and his justice. Even that. Because we're his own. So that we, those that refuse to get right that are his, and they live in known sin continuously, when they've had the light of the word and been given grace to make the adjustment, and the adjustment is the submission of the will through the light that the word brings then God in his love, when they refuse it, in his love for them, takes them home early. Takes them home. And David was at that point. He, he said, he's chasing me sore, but he's not giving me over unto death <laughs> at that particular time in his life. Because we know, even then, all through the old covenant towards the Israelite, God was always waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30 and verse 18. And he always... He's always waiting, and waiting always speaks of the patience of his love. God is forbearing. You know, we think we wait for God so long for certain things. Oh boy, how long does God wait for us to trust him, to be obedient, to return his love, to not look at things by sight, depending on ourselves under the influence of the enemy, but yet depending on him, not requiring evidence in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substantiation of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. 
we, we trust him. And trust has to do with obedience, and obedience has to do with the return of God's love that he first loved us with, based upon 1 John 4.10, here in his love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son, the propitiation for our sins, only those that believe and trust God for this as their savior. Those are the ones that have their sins paid for. Them and them only in the scriptures based upon 1 John 2, verse 2, and a proper understanding of what the original languages in the Koine Greek bring out clearly. And that's why we have to have precise precise teaching and not lean on any way on what we received in the past, but are open and entreatable and available for God the Holy Spirit to take the things that are Christ in John 16, 13, and 14 and to show them unto us because none of us know anything, even those things that have been given to us. None of us know anything like we ought to in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2. But when we do get to know them, then his love is present in 8.3 of 1 Corinthians. And that love is present, that's ours positionally, but enters into the experience when we submit and are no longer functioning under the enemy in James 4 and verse 7. But here, in Psalm 32, David, his, he, God's hand was heavy on him because he was living in known disobedience. See, okay, it's known disobedience. You know, it's one thing to be able to declare what the Word of God says. It's a whole other thing to experience it. I may be able to declare the Word all day long, but still live in sin and never experience fellowship, ever, ever. And boy, the enemy will give us so many things to keep us so busy that we can't even receive what God has for us. And we think it's enough. It's enough. And believe me, God knows what's enough for us in a local assembly. That's where the overwhelming abundance is, by the way, in John 10, 10, the B part. He came to give us life, each of us individually, and to experience it in the abundance in one another. But it takes submission, first to God and then to others in Ephesians 5 and verse 21. We submit ourselves to one another in the reverence of Christ in the vessel. That's what David was doing. He was under God's chastening discipline, and he was close. He was close to God taking him home. But. God was able to get through to him through the submission of his will. Finally, he said in 32.5, I acknowledge my sin unto you, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will, hadn't yet, I will confess my transgression unto you, and you, you will forgive the iniquity of my sin. I think it's very interesting when we see this, and as I study this and have been for, for some days on end right now, you forgave my iniquity. This is very interesting to understand this this morning. Because we know this. Sometimes when we forget God, not sometimes, every time, when we forget God, when we forget his presence, which he has promised us, he would never leave us nor forsake us, 
in Hebrews 13, 5. He said he wouldn't in Joshua 1 and verse 5, meaning for those that are his, he said, I will not fail you. But we have to wait, be humble, and wait, and trust him, and be obedient still, and not put him to the test like the Jews did in the wilderness, Israel, constantly murmuring in Philippians 2 and verse 14, do all things without murmuring, that's inside, complaining, and disputing, now confessing them to one another. And Christians, at times, they call that fellowship. <laughs> there is no fellowship in that. That just amounts to gossip. And thank God uh, that he loves us enough to get us out of those particular sins, those mental attitude sins. And uh, so hopefully that they're dealt with and they're just in the murmuring state and they don't enter into the disputing state confessing them and making those an issue, making what we go through more than his presence and not understanding the privilege that we have to suffer righteously. Did you know that's a privilege? Did I know it with you? It's a privilege. Now, when it says this, that he, that you forgave, right? That you forgave me and I, you forgave my iniquity Let's think about that word iniquity and when did that start? Iniquity was introduced and started in eternity long before there was ever you and I, long be before that, long before that God had to, through Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate state, had to recreate the earth in Genesis 1, 1 through 31, and make it habitable for Adam and Eve, Long before that, that rebellion and conflict in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, specifically in verse 15, happened when Lucifer, who was a light bearer, meaning he was a light reflector, receiving in his obedience everything from God. And by the way, as he led choir worship, and I want to make that to be understood, how some, truthfully, some of the music that we think is worship music is not at all. And, and, but again, and, 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 and a lot is too, don't get me wrong, a lot is too, to his glory, to his, to, when it lifts up Christ, when it, when it lifts up Christ, that rebellion started because his name was Lucifer. Ezekiel 28 verse 15, it says, you were, you were perfect, meaning complete in all your ways, till iniquity was found in you. Now, iniquity is that Hebrew word that literally means, literally, my will, not yours. It's the self and the fallen individual making a provision for self to reign through an unsubmitted will as opposed and against and hatred to God's will. That's what iniquity is. It's me or any of us fun uh, functioning in an unsubmitted will, making a provision for ourselves to reign and not God and not Christ. That's why it's so important for us to trust him. Because when we don't, we become, and I, I posted, it, it was, uh, I th forget exactly when uh, it was posted, the newest post that's on the post that, that, thank God, we can still have the word in so many different ways all of us, so many different ways in the richness of his word. We become scholars and theologians 
of our own unsubmitted will when we don't submit to him. Now, this conflict started long before there was any, any human being ever. And again, long before he recreated the earth. The recreation of the earth is brought out from Genesis 1, verses 3 to 31. Because we know that in the beginning, God created the earth. And then verse 2 says, And the earth was void and without form. It was chaotic. And God never creates anything like that. But there was a rebellion that started, and that was the rebellion that happened in heaven in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15. Based upon those five I wills in Isaiah 14, 7 to 17, specifically 12, 13, 14, in, in Isaiah the 14th chapter, the five I wills, the manifestation of an unsubmitted will in absolute hatred towards God. And did you know, and thank God, we're not, the flesh may be in us, but we're not of it. There's absolute, in Romans 8 verse 7, hatred still in the, in the flesh where the enemy wants to remake the old man and live, even ignorantly, in hatred towards God. In hatred towards him. Well, that's what happened. So then, Adam and Eve in the garden, in Genesis 3, 1 to 6, the enemy came in and caused Eve to fall, and then iniquity entered into her because her will wasn't submitted. Then she gave Adam. Now, she was deceived. She was deceived. See, see what that deception is as far as women and the places they should hold on the earth today we see that in 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 14, and 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 34, how their function should even be in the local assembly based upon the fact that they were deceived. And it's not that God's holding something against them. It's his love protecting them through submission. You also see that. You also see that in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. So that 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, doesn't happen. <laughs> And you can read those scriptures and get the correlation in God's thought about those. So there was a rebellion in heaven. And you will see that brought out in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, verses 15 down to the end. How Satan, he became Satan. He was Lucifer, a light bearer, reflecting that light of his creator in submission and obedience. And I want us to understand, see, he was reflecting the beauty of his creator. That's like, the, that's like the moon. The moon is lit up in, at night, but its source is not in itself. It's what is reflected from the sun on the moon that lights it up. And that's like a type of what we are. We are positioned in him, but boy, unless we submit, there's no reflection, no proper image, no proper identity of who we are, who Christ is in us first, and who we are in him. There we begin to be, we think we have enough to be our own theologians and our own scholars. Okay, we can never have enough of his love. Never. And we never will, thank God, come to the end of it, even through all eternity in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. But a rebellion happened. And then with that unsubmitted will, he became, he was Lucifer, then he became Satan, Shatan, 
adversary and opponent of God, and then adversary and opponent of those that are created in his image, man. This is very important, very important truth. So that's what David was praying, and that's what happened in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. That old sin nature of iniquity was passed on, passed on, in Romans 5 and verse 12, all the way to that flesh that's in us in Romans 8, 9, but that we're not of. We're of Christ now. But, and then he will deal with us in these areas of an unsubmitted will. And it's his love that does it. Even chastisement is God's loving chastisement. And we've said this again, and we need to say it again. Majority of the time, the first step of God's grace towards those that he loves is chastisement, because that always deals with correction, so that we don't live in condemnation of the world in 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32, so that we don't be, we're not condemned, but we live in the submission and conviction of his love towards us, so that we don't live like the world. No purpose, nothing makes any sense, and then we begin to question God, why this and why that. Then we even begin to, to question trials in 1 Peter 4.12. Why do we think it's strange when we have trials? And we'll see why we have them and what a privilege it is to suffer for him. And he never causes us, he never allows us to suffer for him without him suffering with us. Ever. Never. Boy, I'll tell you, it's amazing when we think about it. It is incredible when we think about it. And boy, I tell you, he has to get us back into a place. You know, it takes him time when we've been away from God for a while. It takes, it takes him time to even get us back to a place where we continue to concentrate on him. And that takes time because we've lived and, and we've lived so far apart from him for a long time. And, he, and he's waiting to be gracious. And you know what that means? He has so much for us, but while we live in the flesh, he's not going to give anything to the flesh because there's no fellowship, meaning there's no exchange of this love life. There's not an exchange. Fellowship always speaks of an exchange. The initiator given to those that are his, and they receive it, his love, 1 John 4.10, that, that is given by pure grace. And then we love in 1 John 4.19 because he first loved us. See, that's fellowship. That's fellowship. That's what we have with each other. That's what fellowship is. And it's based upon true worship in John 4.23 and 24. Because if we, we're not submitted, there's no worshiping and there's no fellowship. You see, there's no proper worship without proper fellowship. There's no proper fellowship without proper worship. There just isn't. There's not. And that's why he even said to the woman at the well in, in, in John 4, 20 and right to 22, she, he said, you worship what you know not. And we can do that in the flesh through an unsubmitted will and function in iniquity. And function in, as God's love is for us positionally, but in our experience function as his adversary and as an opponent. And we express it through, at times, murmuring, Philippians 2, verse 14, and disputings. 
And then sometimes we'll say, uh, I, trust, I trust you to tell you all this nasty stuff that I'm going through. Well, if you trusted them, you wouldn't confess that. Because <laughs> that's not trust. Trust always has to do with love. Nothing else. And when we go to one another, it should be with fellowship. You know, only, that's the only time we should go to one another. And God's given us through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us plenty that we can do that. Now, this iniquity happened. Then we see what Satan did in eternity. He went around to an innumerable host of angels, meaning you can't number them with so many. And he went around and maligned and slandered the very character, nature, and essence of God. And And he convinced a third of those angels... Revelations 12 and verse 4, his tail drew a third of the part of the stars of heaven. And stars in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, were angels, never men. Though that's who they were, the sons of God. We have been made sons of God through Jesus Christ alone. And that's in Romans 8, 15 and Galatians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. We've been made these sons. And anything that God made, when, that, when you see that word made, it speaks of absolute, unmixed, pure grace of God. That his love can only flow through. Do you know that God's love, and did I know it with you, that his love can only flow through grace? And the only way, it's only, the only way that it, that it literally flows is through grace. Because when I function outside of grace, I'm functioning in an unsubmitted will, and I reject it. I refuse it. There's a, there's, there's a reason why there's so many divisions in the church today. There's so many divisions. You know, 1 first, first Corinthians 1.12, some say I am of Paul. Some say I am of Apollos. Some of Cephas. Some say I am of Apollos. Making men to be the ones that they're one with. You know, a lot of so-called ministries were named after those individuals. But that's why, that's who we are. We only go by a word of grace just in terms of where people can locate it. But it's a word of grace is Acts 20, verse 32. Literally, it's God commends us to the word of his grace, and that's Christ alone. We're called Christians. I am not called a Baptist. I am not called a Presbyterian. I am not called a Catholic. I am not called a Wesleyan. I am, and you are, Christians. And if you look at that word Christians, it's Christ in you. Christ is the first part of the word Christian. Christian (laughs) in all of us. And it's one body. 1 Corinthians 12. 12 and 13, his body, flesh, and bones in Ephesians 5 and verse 30. So, the beauty of these verses, and, and you can read, you can read all the way down through, and I'll finish reading it. In Psalm 32, verse 6, for this will everyone that is godly pray unto you in a time when you may be found. You know how important time is for us? You know, listen, the enemy, the greatest deceitful weapon that he has for the believer is they have more time to be obedient than they actually have. Did you know that? Did you know it? Oh, I don't have to do it now. I've got all these other things. It is so necessary for men, Christian men, to be the initiators. 
and the wives to be the responders and not opposite. Very needful, based upon 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Because otherwise, then Christian men are living with Eve, living in deceit and giving hubby to eat. And hubby, because he says he loves her, is going to submit to her. God does all things decently and in order in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40. Because outside of that, there's nothing but confusion. There's no experience of, of the love life that has tremendous peace in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. But for us here, we'll read the rest of this here. Yeah. For this will everyone, in, in Psalm 32 and verse 6, for this will everyone that is godly pray unto you in a time when you may be found. That's why Jesus said that. As long as the light is here, submit to the light while you have the light. Okay? That's John 12, 35 and verse 36. While you have the ability, the time to have the light, the knowledge of the truth about who Christ is, given in God's order. Did you know God's order is the local assembly? There's no other order that he has. Did you know it? Did you and I know that? The only order God has is local assembly. Do you have one? Or do you frequent one? Do you? And do I? As much as I can. As much as we can. Without condemnation. God never, even the truth he's telling us now, if it's hitting home, it's the conviction of his love. Never condemnation. Because there's no condemnation to us that are in Christ. It's only the opportunity to receive the light and submit our will to it and get right back into an incredible fellowship with him based upon 1 John 1 and verse 9 with Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 and Hebrews 12, 4, right through 29. Get a lot of shaking to do in us. And sometimes we think we can shake ourselves. Sometimes we don't think we need others. You know, in the flesh, I'm going to tell you this, in my flesh and in your flesh, none of us like to receive from one another. Did you know that? None of us do. Ever want to receive. We do not want to be taught. We want to do it. And you know, God's not going to allow that. He's not going to allow the, the unchangeable truths in our position to penetrate into our experience outside of his order. Not going to happen. He's not going to do it. He just will not do it. He will not take what his, who his son is and what he's accomplished and give it over to the flesh. Never. The flesh profits what? John 6, 63, Romans 7, 18, not a thing. And if I have not love in my experience, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, the enemy convinces me that I'm nothing based upon a false experience. And then I don't think I have any value. In 13, 3 of 1 Corinthians, I don't see value in one another. I am so occupied with myself. Did you know that even our own life, first and foremost, has to do with the glorification of God Almighty through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that it has to do with a whole angelic conflict. A whole unfallen, two-thirds of unfallen innumerable angels and one-third evil are looking in at our lives in 1 Peter 1.12. Do you see how he wants to make our lives to be the enemy, to be so small that everything revolves around me. It's me, myself, and I. Look at what I'm going through. Look at, 
We all get sick. We all go through things. But just let's make sure even then when it's Christ and not lifting up what we're going through. We need to pray for each other, and we should, and not take it lightly. But I'm talking about each of us as an individual. And we do need to be loved, and we do need to be encouraged, so that we don't, (laughs) any of us, me and you, we don't lift ourselves up. Because any of us, I, you, we can do that in a moment. Because that's the moment we forget God because of an unsubmitted will. And the forgetfulness doesn't come from what I don't know. It comes from what I do know and refuse to do in James 4 and verse 17. That's living in sin. Living in sin. You love your children. They were born into you as a family. They were born. They have, they have a father. The father heart of God. They have a mother. Even in the sense, and they're still masculine, by, by the way, in the Holy Spirit, to always comfort us, to always bring us comfort, and always give us enough. Verse 7 of Psalm 32, you are my hiding place. We've said this before, and God has to teach me, Ed, this every single morning. Ed, you, you have two places to hide in, 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 in experience. We're hidden positionally. Remember, we've said before, 1 John 5, 18, the wicked one touches us not. That's position. It's unassailable. Everything that, the, that God allowed the enemy to do to Job never changed his relationship the way that God saw him. That's brought out in Job 36 and verse 7. He never removes his eye from the righteous. But it doesn't mean that his experience wasn't off or needed to be dealt with. And that's where the, God will use the enemy that comes against us, but God uses it for our good. That's brought out in Genesis 50 and verse 20. If you look at the chapters even preceding that and what Joseph's brothers did to him. And even in the type, Joseph is the type of Christ and what his brothers did to him. They hated him without a cause. Psalm 35 and verse 12. They hated him without a cause. And Psalm, 100, and Psalm 69 and verse 4. They hated him without a cause. In Psalm 109, verses 4, 5, and 6 is the results. They hated him. And in the flesh, it doesn't matter. And even in its total ignorance and pride, there is hatred for God. We could care less for him in the flesh. And if I live in the flesh as a husband, and I reverse the order in submission, and I say I'm loving my wife, I like heck I am. Because I'm not submitted to Christ my head. It's about time that men start taking the lead. And I'm talking, (laughs) please understand, I'm talking to me. The Holy Spirit is talking to me. And if he's talking to you, that's between you and him. And even in what he's doing in discipline, he's he's not treating us as an enemy. And when God is disciplining and treating other believers, we're not to treat them as enemies either. Boy, we need to get that one clear. And don't become the theologian and scholar and stick our noses where they don't belong. Our noses should be in prayer for them when they go through things. And that's the only place it should be because prayer always speaks of dependence and submission of a will. And that's Acts 6 verse 4, especially for leaders. There it's pastors and leaders, but men as leaders in the home. And don't allow the enemy to use any excuse because there is no excuse 
There isn't. You read John 15, and I'll, I read it this morning, and John 15, verse 22, and I'll read this here as the way it was given. They hated him without a cause. Psalm 35, verse 19. They hated him without a cause, we said. In Isaiah 69, I mean in Psalm 69 and verse 4, they hated him without a cause. In Psalm 109, we said 4 through 6. Jesus said, if they hate me, they hated you. If they hate you, they hated me before in John 15 and verse 18. They hated him without a cause in John 15 and verse 25. And you know, when we function in Christ and when it's right and we're functioning in a right relationship and an exchange of an intimate love life, the world will hate us. The world will hate us, but that's a privilege. It's a privilege. And we don't have to question it. We don't have to question why that happened. We don't ever have to question that. Again, ever. Those that hate us. You know that if we don't function in love, there's only one thing we function in. If we're not functioning in the goodness of his love, there's only evil hatred. That's all that's there. And again, it's brought out. We can see, though. We can see it. Now, in John 15, in John 15 here, and we'll, we'll read these scriptures. In John 15, Jesus, again, dealing with the Pharisees, the religious crowd who hated him and didn't want anything from him, Verse 21 of John 15, it says, But all these things will they do unto you. Listen to what this says, for my name's sake. Now, you know what that means, my name's sake? You know what that's teaching us? That it's Christ's person that's won us through the work that he's accomplished. We have a new name. Gave Peter a new name, didn't he? His name was Cephas, and he gave him the name Peter, Petra, Petros, Peter, small stone. Matthew 16, 17 and 18 brought out clearly. You know, we have a new name. It's a new name. In Revelations 2 and verse 17, read it. We'll bring that, God will bring out that truth to all of us in new and fresh ways when that booklet that, that I know that he wants, the hidden manna and the white stone and what that reveals. You know, the white stone there is all about our incredible image in Christ. That's why we want to that's why we want to finish the book on image and get right into the white stone. And again, it says, but all these things in John 15, verse 21, will they do unto you for my name's sake. You're, I'm one with you and you're, you're one with me because they know not him that sent me. And if I send you as a light bearer of who I am, they're not going to have anything or want anything to do with you. Now, here's verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, I want us to look at this as God was teaching me, telling me this morning, Ed, I want, I want you to listen to this. If I had not come and spoken unto you individually through this word by the power of the Holy Spirit, if I hadn't, you would, you would not have had sin. But now they have no cloak. And cloak here in the Koine Greek is excuse. Think of the excuses that we make, Christians. The excuses that we make to live in disobedience. Or certain sins we don't hold as highly as God does. Did you know that he even in, in, in Romans 1, 18 to 32, 
that he puts gossip on an equal plane with lesbianism and homosexuality, and we will make more out of lesbianism and homosexuality than even gossip. Speaking about a person when they're not there. That's why we teach. You go to you get an issue with a believer, you go to God alone. Then you go to that individual alone. And even, even their private life, okay, their private life is none of our business. We teach the word and God will give the word, but that's his business through the word that he counsels them with. I said yesterday, there are times, and I've made the mistake of making my private life public, and then it becomes something that someone else thinks that they can use to think that I shouldn't do certain things and all this, and then get in a conversation about it. You need to be very careful. The point here is, now they have no excuse for their sin. He that hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the many works that none other did. Let me ask people where you are and people here. Has God done great works for you, you that you couldn't do yourself, that you had to rely on him to do? Because without him we can do nothing in John 15, 1 to 5. Yeah. He's done other works that says no way. He took us out of so many pits. We fall into a pit in Matthew 15 and verse 14. We fall into a pit of noise, that pit of noise. In Psalm 42, 1 and 2, we, he's delivered us from a pit of noise, of confusion, by bringing in the light and precise, crystal clear teaching of the Word of God. Crystal clear. All of us, and I'm saying all of us. And he's the source of it. I'm a vessel and you're a vessel. He may give it through me as a vessel, but what he's given me is just as much yours as it is mine because it, it came from him. But there is an order in the local assembly and God never violates it, ever. And there's a preciseness and clarity of the word of God that he's going to give through others that he will not give to you and me unless we submit. That's why it's great to be taught and not think that we know enough of even certain verses. Like, I'll come to the end of God so loved the whole mass of humanity that he gave his only begotten son, and, and that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal, not everlasting, but have eternal life. The Greek word there is zoe. It's eternal life, Z-O-E. And to think that I know that like God does is absolute insanity. No wonder we need to constantly be so humble and be so dependent and obedient so that not only I as an individual can fellowship, but now I can be a supply to the local assembly in, in John 4 and verse 16. I don't know, take, take one of your limbs off your body and see how it functions. You know, God told you when you knew you were called to a local assembly and all of a sudden the enemy comes in and cuts you off and gets you occupied with so many other things. How does the body function? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I hope that all of us are convicted. And I mean it. I'm with you. I mean, I'm not above you. I'm not below you. We're all equal. We're all equal. I hope we're all convicted, especially men as initiators and leaders. They hated him without a cause. If I had not come and done among them the works which no other man did, they had not sinned. But now they have both seen... They, it's not that they didn't see it. It's not that we don't, haven't seen what God has done for us. 
We have, and he's made it clear. And, and they both seen, but without submission, and hated both me and my father. But this comes to pass, that the world, the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, the ones that hate me. They hated me without a cause. You know, Satan hated. It's such a mystery. In 2 Thessalonians 2.7, it's called the mystery of iniquity, and that started in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15. This angelic conflict. And no wonder we need to submit and be taught precisely, precisely. How often do you eat food? Do you eat it every day? How often do you feed on Christ in a local assembly? How often? Or do other things take precedence? And just because one does something and goes somewhere, please make sure that God is leading you. Please make sure of that because it's very necessary for, for the work that God is doing in and through that local assembly. They hated him without a cause. They did. They hated him without a cause. Look at here in John the seventh chapter. Verse one. After these things, Jesus walked in in Galilee, but he could not walk among all those Jews because the Jews sought to kill him. Oh, how the enemy wants to kill God. He wants to kill God and the manifestation of Christ. He wants to kill God and the manifestation of who he is in you and I through getting our wills to be unsubmitted and to function in the flesh. Did you know the flesh in us that we're not of hates God in Romans 8 verse 7? Read it. and It's called enmity. It is strong, settled thoughts and feeling of unchangeable hatred toward God. When we live in disobedience, that's what we live in. Now, he's not condemning us right now because we're in Christ. He's teaching us so that we won't be condemned. Yes, there's godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7.10, but it's never, without, it's never with regret. But worldly sorrow, unsubmitted will, refusing to, get, to function in what we know to be right in James 4.17, there brings in worldly regret. Regret. There is none for who we are in Christ. Everything he's telling us today is based upon the conviction of his love. And, and by the way, it may not be that any of us are living in any area of sin, but it might just mean that he's giving us the supply of this for the future because he knows what the enemy does long before you and I do, and that goes into his intercession, Christ, in Romans 8 and verse 34, in Hebrews 7 verse 25, and in Hebrews 9 and verse 26, Intercession doesn't mean that once we sin, he starts praying for us. He knows where we're going before we do and what the enemy has for us, a trap, a gin, in Proverbs 29 and verse 25, a snare. And a lot of times the snare for men is money and riches in 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. And when you put money and riches, I don't care, in any form ahead of God, that's what you worship. There's where your worship is. The Jews, in, in John 7, 1, sought to kill him. Now, the Jews' feast was a feast of tabernacles, and we'll get into that, how, how in, in, incredible this is. And Jesus Christ fulfilled even that. The feast of tabernacles was at hand. And here they are going to celebrate, and it's all teaching them about their precious Lord, their Messiah, who they rejected, 
because they hated him in John 1, 11. He came unto his own and his own rejected him in hatred. They said in John 18, verse 40, not this man. That's what we say in the flesh. Not this man. No one's going to teach me. And then further, they say in John, they said about Christ in John 19, verse 15, crucify him, kill him. Kill him. Now, watch. Now, his, his brethren therefore said unto him, depart here. So here they are in their natural telling, telling God in his humanity what to do. Now, of course, we would never do that in the flesh now, would we? Or would I? And I'm included in the we. Go into Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you do. <laughs> Imagine. For there is no man that does anything in secret, and he himself seeks to be known openly. Yeah, you know why? Because anything we do in the flesh, we want to be seen. You re- you'll see that in Galatians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, why the Pharisees did it. They wanted the glory in others' flesh in their disobedience to lift themselves up. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. <laughs> Imagine, right? Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is right here, right now. Time's very important. Very important. Time is short, 1 Corinthians 7, 29. Redeem the time, because the days that we live in, if it was evil in Ephesians 5 and verse 16 in Ephesus, what is it now? Has the world become a better place? Or worse? Worse. And yet men, Christian men, go into it and make that their first thought. And not Christ. And not the Word and not the local assembly. Did you know you can't even, and I can't even love my wife properly without a local assembly? Did you know that? We won't do it. The world cannot, the world cannot hate you, but me it hates because I testify of it. That the world there, that the work, the works there are evil. Oh, the world hates it. You could be just sitting by yourself and experience hatred. And you can know why. Because the world hates, hates you, hates Christ in you and you in Christ. The world hates, the world hates me. Go you up into this feast. I go not up yet, yet at this feast. You see God's timing? Are you living in yets? It's not yet. When you pray, don't stop praying. Read Matthew the 7th chapter, verses 7 right through. Read Luke the 11th chapter. Don't stop praying. Keep, and that means don't stop trusting God. Because the moment we do, the enemy gives us a way out and it's the lust of the flesh to keep us in bondage and keep us worshiping those things and not him. 1 Timothy 6.10 The inordinate affection and love for money is the root of all evil. It's what the enemy uses to keep us functioning in lusts, keep us in bondage, keep us miserable the whole time. Go you up into this feast. My time has not yet come. Why? 
Why? Do you know what his brothers did? His own brothers and sisters in John 7, 5, it says, neither did his brethren believe in him. Did you know that? Some did, ultimately did get saved, his brother James. Not the same one that wrote the book of James, by the way, but we won't get into that one. He ultimately did receive him as, as his savior. Just like Mary had to. Jesus was the immaculate conception in her, not Mary. She said in, in Luke 1 and verse uh, uh, 37, in the, in the Vulgate, Douay Rheims, Catholic Bible, so-called, my God and my Savior, and she said it about Christ. Two minutes. <laughs> we'll have to finish this on... No, I won't be able to finish it on Thursday. I will make it available on Wednesday, though, because Thursday is my wife's... Friday is, a, is, a, is her birthday. I'm going to celebrate it with her on Thursday. So we can have the time of the word for whosoever will on Wednesday at 8 in the morning. For whosoever will. And, and uh, you can f- freely have it, too, uh, with all of us together. But his own brothers and sisters didn't believe in him. Because what were they functioning in? They were functioning in hatred. They did. But thank God. What what we're going to reveal is that whole Psalm 32, and we'll get into it. We'll get into that uh, Wednesday morning. We'll get into the truth of that. And I want to make it, as God, when I say I want to make it clear, please understand what I'm saying. God's making that very clear to me. That we have, when he wrote that Psalm 32, it was, it, it was teaching about what the Jews were going, those that were his were going to go through in Matthew 24. Beginning of sorrows and what that whole thing brought out. The whole thing, the whole thing of that brought out all that truth. Every bit of that truth was brought out. And, and he's bringing it out to us right now in our time. Because we said prophecy, prophecy has to do with the earth. Prophecy has to do with failure and God's justice being executed. That's what prophecy deals with. That's it. That's why it says in 2 Peter 1.19, we have a more sure word of prophecy. But we need to be careful in 20 and 21 to not privately interpret the word, meaning we don't think we need to be taught by others. Otherwise, we'll interpret that word that we think we know without God's order, to do it by ourselves, which was never given to the natural will of man. And that's in 2 Peter 1 and verse 21. Never at any time did it have a thing to do with man's fallen natural will, ever. Ever did it, that God gave these things. And he, he's given us, and we have an opportunity to shine as bright, bright lights. And it's going to go into Daniel... We're going to go into it in Daniel, the 11th chapter and the 12th chapter in prophecy so we can know where we are right now. But even when God deals with us in, in, in prophecy, he's never stopped building us up on our foundation, which is Christ. And when we make that the issue, he's able to explain clearly prophecy to us. We don't leave the foundation and want to go after prophecy and miss all this intimate fellowship with Christ. But we're going to do that. And I'm going to do it in specific times. And the specific times are going to be the times 
when they, when they, as best as we can, where there can be concentration and discipline to receive it because it's just, it just takes that for it to go into us because of God's love. So Father, thank you this morning for your precious word. And thank you for each and every person here that your grace, your leading, your dependence, their dependence on you brought all of us to this place so that we could have it together. I just pray that uh, tremendous conviction would enter into us. The, the, the absolute energy of your love, that's conviction, the absolute energy of God's love penetrating our experience so that not only do we, and this will be brought out in, in Daniel 11 and 12, not only you will make us to understand and light us up inwardly, but that you use us to make others understand. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.